Hey contractors, welcome to the Contractors Playbook. I'm your host, Michael Gogan, and on this podcast, we will be talking with experts in the industry and getting real about their failures, successes, and lessons learned. I'll be joined in studio by our producer, Isaac Moore. Isaac, we just finished up an awesome conversation with Derek Klein, Hail Trace. Uh, what'd you think of that conversation? It was a, a really interesting conversation to me, uh, especially talking to someone who doesn't really have like a, a personal experience as a contractor to kind of hear the way he got into the contracting world, uh, to me really highlighted his creativity as, an, as a CEO and as an entrepreneur and kind of, I think, I think we were just talking about this, his, his kind of humility as a, a leader to be like, I, I'm, I might not know everything because I haven't Absolutely. been a roofer in this industry. So there's places that I'm going to need someone else to maybe step in and fill in a gap. So I think it, it highlights some pretty interesting character traits of, of a CEO in a company. Yeah, absolutely. That was probably my biggest takeaway. You know, we talked about um, how not all coaches of successful teams actually played the sport. And Derek's a great example of that. Derek is, you know, he's tenacious. He's hardworking. Like you said, I love the word creative because he's always thinking of different ways that he can really take and change the industry that he's working in. He kind of stumbled into the industry um, to begin with, and 10 years later, he's uh, doing quite well. So I think you guys are going to love this episode. Let's go ahead and jump right in. All right, everyone, we are joined today uh, almost in studio. We, we, we've we got him on the line here, Derek Klein with Hail Trace. Derek, thanks so much for jumping in with us today. Sweet, Michael. I'm glad to be here. This is... Uh... It's always fun being on podcasts with Michael Gogan. Talk about it Tuesday <laughs> style, right? This isn't Talk About It Tuesday, though, right? It's not Talk About It Tuesday. This is Let's Talk About Some Weather. So, you know, <laughs> some people may have actually caught our forecast that we did live with you guys uh, a few days ago. If if you didn't catch that and you're just now listening to the podcast and you're saying, I kind of want to check this out, you can go and check that out at companycam.com forward slash webinars. Uh, but if you're here to just talk weather with Derek Klein, uh, you're at the right spot. So Derek, before we dive into the, the difficult questions, I'm going to put you on the spot with some weather questions. Tell me, you know, a little bit about who Derek Klein is and what Hail Trace is. Well, Derek Klein is a big weather nerd. Uh, he's he's not from the roofing industry. Uh, so just a little backstory. I started loving weather when I was five or six years old. Uh, and it's, it's kind of ironic. It was actually a snowstorm that got me excited. I live in Oklahoma. So the fact that a snowstorm is what got me excited about weather. But uh, that was that was one of the first big weather events I remember uh, living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so I, I've just grown up loving weather. I chased my first tornado when I was 16 years old. It happened to be the strongest tornado to ever hit the planet. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't call that lucky because I don't think it's lucky to have a tornado <laughs> like that. But uh, but, you know, that that was kind of, and that's just been me. And uh, 2010, uh, I was doing sales. Uh, for a alarm company and so not doing anything weather-wise and a contractor asked me if I would make a hell map that showed her where a hailstorm hit that that had impacted Oklahoma City where I lived at the time and uh, we put it together she said it was a really good map and I was like this is a great idea this would be cool to make a company 
And so that was uh, May 16th, 2010. And just been learning and trying to trying to trying to learn as much as I can about this industry because uh, you know not coming from it I knew nothing I did in fact before that day I didn't even know hail damaged roofs so um, you know and, that, and that's the, the the key that what you I guess you call it the KPI for my business is hail damaging roofs uh, so you know so it it's 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 been so much fun to learn and you know Thankfully, I, I, I feel like I get viewed most of the time as an expert. I do plenty of things that you could say I'm not. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I've got to travel to a lot of different events and learn from all the other people, you know, like yourself, Michael, I, I get to learn a lot from other people in the industry. And so you, you learn enough to be dangerous, to, to understand where, where I can make my product better than it is now and how I can serve the industry with my product. Um, and it's just been fun to grow it. And the exciting thing is I have so many ideas. Sometimes I can't sleep at night. So there, there's still like I, the, the desire to continue to improve and make better stuff has not gone away. So it, it's exciting. But that's kind of how I got into the industry and where I'm at today. You bet. I, I love that answer. And there's two things I really want to unpack there. Um, you know, obviously from the weather end. And then I also want to, so don't let me forget, I want to get into talking about how the three of us here, you know, we've got Isaac in studio, myself and you, Derek, none of us have a background in contracting, but yet here we are in this contracting world. And so I want to get to that here in a second. But first, Isaac and I are stuck here in Nebraska. I know you're down in Oklahoma, Derek. It's cold. And it, like, there's no like ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've had to put tennis shoes on. It's so cold. I'm still wearing shorts. It's not that cold, but it's cold here in Nebraska. I'm guessing we've got some people listening to this or saying, man, what's this going to do for my business? Is this going to impact hail season? Is this going to impact wind? Is this going to impact hurricane season? I'm sure there's a big answer here, but let's talk through that. Does this cold have any impact on what's going to be coming here this spring and summer? You know, the the short answer is yes, it does. Um, but that doesn't mean it's a negative impact either. It, it's actually a positive impact. And if you if you want to unpack the entire process of how we got to the solution, we, in fact, February cold was part of our forecast. Um, but to really unpack it, you know, I would highly recommend that you go watch that webinar because we unpacked the entire idea of the forecast and how we got to that solution. So, you know, register for that. Go watch that because there's there's a lot of good stuff. But just, you know, to kind of talk about it here where we are today, you know, February, first of all, February is not really a severe weather month. So it's not going to necessarily impact our storm season when storm season is going to start. Um, the months that we would be concerned about really cold weather impacting would be starting like mid-March into April. And it's not even the cold weather. We'll, we'll have cold weather in March and April. You guys will probably get snow up there in Nebraska in April, right? I mean, that's just, that's just, just the way it works. And that's okay. When, if we get a really strong storm system, it's going to produce hail and tornadoes. But on the backside in March and April, it's going to make snow and it's going to be cold. That's just the way the weather works. The question is, and what we have to watch for, is when that cold front progresses across the U.S., does it go all the way to Cancun, Mexico? Because if it goes all the way to Cancun, Mexico, that's problems for the U.S. Because as the next storm system comes out, 
the Gulf moisture, that warm, moist air that's in the Gulf of Mexico, if it's all the way down by Jamaica or Cancun, it doesn't have enough time to race back up into the United States. And we need that warm, moist air to produce severe weather. But if that cold front goes down and hits the Gulf of Mexico and the Gulf of Mexico pushes back and winds, and then and so the moisture is just setting right there on the coast, next storm system comes out, boom, the moisture just surges back to the north, and we get a big severe weather event again. So cold air is not that uncommon, and it's not, not really a bad thing necessarily either. Um, you just want to make sure that the cold air isn't winning the entire battle. It needs to, it needs to know where its place is. We, we don't want to see Miami in March having highs in the fifties and sixties, then, then we might have a little bit of a problem. So, so that, that'll be the thing that we'll look for as we go through the next 15 to 30 days is, are these cold fronts going to stop? Um, but when you go back and watch the forecast, we'll actually talk about analog years, um, that we thought matched up. Um, and, and I'll just give you a really good teaser. One of the analog years is 2011, and that's a year that you need to understand. The last time my house had a significant a winter storm and also significant cold was the year 2011. It was also in February, just like this. In fact, you know, Oklahoma is pretty tough to get below zero. We hit 16 below zero at my house in 2011, and we did it back-to-back nights. Um, we also got like a foot of snow. Um, so the, the winter storms, and, it, and if you know, if you've been in the industry very long, you know what 2011 was like. Um, but there's, there's more to it than just that. Like we didn't just say like, oh, look, there's a winter storm that's going to happen in February. So 2011's the hell season to go off of because there were winter storms in other years too. So there's more stuff that we kind of plug into that. Um, and, and a big reason why I would highly encourage you to go back and actually watch the forecast because uh, there's a lot of data that we unpack. Uh, and then we have some cool graphics too that you can see. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a good looking guy, but graphics definitely help, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my takeaway from that is that, you know, we need Cancun, Jamaica, Miami to to push back and stay warm. If you need somebody, Derek, I'm, I'm free. I can go down there. Like, and I can give you like on the ground coverage of what the weather's doing in one of those places. So if you need that, just let me know and I'll jump on a plane and head down there. You know, you, you made me think of a question that I feel like is really important. If you wear shorts in five below zero, what do you wear when it's 80 degrees in Jamaica? Shorts. But I can wear flip flops then. Those you got to keep those toes warm. Okay, I was, I, they got silent there for a second. I was really worried about what you were going to say. <laughs> well, hey, one question, a legit question that I have from from that is, you know, and, and I, I'm not here to like say, hey, use Hail Trace. Obviously, Hail Trace is an awesome company. You should use Hail Trace. But I think your company is really interesting because not only are you looking at a you know, weather from a forecasting standpoint, but more importantly, you're looking at what did the weather actually do after the fact? Because, you know, oftentimes I'm assuming you guys are using different models to predict what's going to happen, but once it actually happens, now it's pretty easy to be able to say, well, this is what happened. Why is what Hail Trace is doing from a meteorologist point of view maybe different than what just the computer models would be able to spit out? 
Well, on my side, it costs a lot more, but so, my, <laughs> so it's definitely more expensive to have a bunch of meteorologists on staff doing all this work. Um, but for the contractor standpoint or for anybody that's using utilizing our data, um, it's a lot more accurate. Um, it's also faster, too, believe it or not. I mean, um, I mean, we have to have somebody ready to go at three o'clock in the morning. It held last night here in, or in Texas at like two in the morning. Um, and I mean, it wasn't a lot, but we had somebody available and it was mapped at two o'clock in the morning. So you, the speed to getting the, the, the data available to you is much faster. Um, but the cool part is, is that they can analyze the data in a way that an algorithm can't. Um, and, and I think the best way to explain it kind of in layman's terms, like how data works, um, think about the last time you got a forecast from your TV meteorologist, okay, and, and he was not right. And by not right, I mean anything wrong. Like it could, like it could have been one degree off on his forecast high. That technically is not right. Um, now, that doesn't mean it was a bad forecast. It just means it wasn't correct. Um, and understand that they're taking that data, they're getting that data from a weather model that's outputting what the solution's going to be for that day. And that weather model is getting that solution from an algorithm. And the reason why that weather model was wrong is because there was some data source that was incorrect in that algorithm. And so think about it now. We're always wrong in weather, right? Like, that's, the, that's part of it. Um, you know, and, 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 I would, and I would venture to say, like, there's wrong and then there's really wrong. We're not always really wrong, but we, we don't get the forecast exactly right every single time. And so think about the algorithm when it produces a hell map. It does the same thing. It's input data. Something was wrong with the input data. And so what it puts out is not correct. And so we have that data, we can see the algorithms, we can see all that stuff, but then I pay a human that's an expert on weather data to go back and review that and say, you know what, I found a picture of hell that was baseball size, so that definitely wasn't quarter size hell, and they can fix that. Um, you know what, I've seen a dozen storms that look just like this, and the radar was wrong every time. Here's what happened the last 12 times I saw this. And they can fix that. And so having those experts, and they track a lot of storms. Um, in fact, um, we've had John, our lead meteorologist, who trains our team, who does everything with our team. Um, he's been on our staff for seven years. Um, and he's probably tracked over 30,000 hailstorms, um, or at least been involved in the process of 30,000 hailstorms. So imagine all that experience that he has. Um, it, in fact, I would say it's more than anybody in the world. I, I don't think you could find somebody that has the experience that John has. So we take all that experience and we put it into our product. And like I said, for me, yeah, it's a lot more expensive. Um, it's definitely not cheaper. Um, but I want a quality product. I want something that actually helps. It solves a problem. It does what the contractor needs. And so we do our best to make sure that that's what happens every time. Great points there from Derek on investing in the quality of your business. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We're going to have some more coming right up from the Contractor's Playbook. This episode of the Contractor's Playbook is brought to you by CompanyCam. CompanyCam makes it easy to document your job sites and communicate with crews, subs, and even insurance adjusters. The best part is it's now free. 
So check it out in the App Store or at companycam.com. And now, back with your host, Michael Gogan. You bet. So kind of the one takeaway I have there is you, you use the word speed to data. And I think that's so powerful in, in the contracting world. And not just like, I don't care if you're a painting contractor that does only interior painting. And you're like, man, weather really doesn't impact what I'm doing. Maybe not. But speed to data does. And speed to getting to leads is extremely important. From your experience working with contractors, how big of an issue is that for some of these contractors where it's like they may even have the data at their fingertips. They're just not using it correctly or reaching quite far enough to grab the data that maybe can close them 10, 15, 20 more jobs, whether that be from Facebook marketing, a hailstorm that they've got data in company cam and that's like right there at their fingertips. How often do you see that with contractors where, you know, the low hanging fruit, they're getting it every time, but then that little further reach is something where they just aren't quite there. Well, you know, I, I think if you look at contractor behavior, you can see that they, they think it's important. Um, and so when I talk about contractor behavior, I'm, I'm talking about, like, why, why would they pay for a Hellmap? Obviously, a lot of them do. Um, and so they do it because there's value. They're, contractors don't waste money. I, I do know that about them, unless it's a truck. They might if it's a truck. But <laughs> outside, of, outside of the King Ranch, right, like they're, they're pretty frugal um, when it comes to what they spend on their business and how they do things. And, and I think that's a, that's a compliment to them. But they obviously see value in paying for weather data. And the reason why they see that, because I feel like if I was a contractor, I could figure out where that hailstorm occurred at. It just might take me two or three or four days to figure out all the areas that it happened at. So they obviously already see the value in getting that data instantly. And I think that's the important thing. Like they, The quicker you can get the data, the better off it's going to be. Because, again, there is that low-hanging fruit. But then you also have like the, you know, you have those areas, the low-hanging fruit, like if the big hail report comes in, that's the easy stuff. That's the thing that you can figure out pretty instantly. But it's it's the outside areas. It's the other parts of the storm that it wasn't reported on. It's those areas that are going to take you three or four days to figure that out. And so they pay for this data to find that solution. But why pay for that data if it's not going to be accurate? Like it doesn't it doesn't give you any value. So that's why we feel like it's important to have the accuracy and the speed. If you don't, if you only have the ac- if you don't have the accuracy, then it's going to send you to the wrong spot and it's still going to take you three or four days to find that solution. Whereas if you have the accuracy and the speed, now all of a sudden we do get you to the right spot within, within a short period of time. And so I think it's important to have both of those when you, when you talk about it that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, th- I think this actually circles back to the point that I said after your first answer that I wanted to make sure we hit on. And that's talking about hey, the three of us aren't from this industry, but here we are finding ourselves successful in this industry. And the reason being is we're we're all solving problems for someone. In this case, we're solving problems for contractors. As a contractor, your job is to figure out how do I solve a problem and for a homeowner, that's you know the end result. 
But the big thing is, is how do I get in front of that contractor to make sure that they know I can solve their problem? Maybe that they even know they have a problem. Like you said, before you got into this, you didn't know, you know, hail damaged roofs. Like homeowners don't know that. Like, and so we may have some contractors that are listening that are first starting or maybe they're three years in and they're, they're kind of questioning like, man, was this the right path for me? I we're on the contractor playbook here. So we're talking contracting, but we're talking sports. And I think the analogy I go to is think of how many successful sports coaches never actually played the game. There's tons of them. We could come up with example after example after example. And so my big thing, and I'd love your opinion on this, is if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, I've never put shingles on a house or I've done it once or I've never, you know, painted inside of a house or remodeled or done this or done that, whatever it is in the contracting world. I don't know if I can run a contracting business. 10 years ago, Derek, I'm guessing you didn't think you could be successful in the contracting world. I would almost guarantee you didn't think you could be successful. (laughs) And if you thought maybe you never would have dreamt that you would have this success that you've had up to this point. So what is your thoughts on that? Like if I'm somebody that's kind of on the fence or maybe I'm three years in and stuff, it's been tough. Um, Do I have to be an expert as a contractor or can I use things, find data be an expert at marketing, do other things to really take my contracting business to the next level. I think it's it's all about being honest with yourself, you know, and you talked about being a coach. Um, coaches, the, the best coaches, they know what they're good at and they know what they're not good at. Um, and they're honest with themselves. And, and you have to do that in order to be successful. So I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. Um, and so the things that I'm not good at, I hire people to fill in those gaps or I coach myself to get better in those areas. One of the two. Right. Um, but but kind of understanding, like, what is my role as a CEO? And I think for every CEO in the position that your company in company is in is different. Um, so there are different seasons that your company will go through. And it's important to understand what season your company's in. But as a CEO, you should be constantly looking to fire yourself from different things, but only when you're able to. It doesn't make sense to it doesn't make sense to go spend sixty thousand dollars on a salary for a position you you need when you've only got five thousand dollars in the bank and you couldn't pay yourself last month, right? Like that doesn't make sense. That's a time and and, and really in that first five years, that's why most companies fail are because That's that time period where you've got to do most of the work, but understand where your weaknesses are and try to improve on those weaknesses. So, you know, if if you're not a meteorologist and you're not good at looking at weather data, then one, I mean, should you hire one? Probably not. It probably doesn't make sense financially to hire your own meteorologist. Um, But can you contract that out? Or, you know, you might be in a spot where it doesn't make sense to pay a health race the money that that it costs because of how much it costs. You may not be able to financially afford that depending on, you know, again, that season that your business is in. So, you know, what will you be as good as if you hired a company like a health race to do that? No. But can you be good enough? to get by and then and then move forward, right? And I think all successful coaches, if if we go back to that analogy, they're they're good at doing that. You said coaches, some coaches didn't play the game. 
Um, so they may not be able to, to tell a story of, of a time where they were playing the game and this happened, right? I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell a story of going out and door knocking and finding hell damage. Like, that's just not my story. I'm, I'm not good at it. But I do, I do go out and I do talk to the contractors. I actually spend time with them. So spending time with your, you know, with your team and understanding what it is that they're doing. I have stories of contractors going out and knocking a door and finding hell damage. And I have stories of them not doing it and found out what worked and what didn't work. And so I learned how, how to get around where my deficiencies were. And then as we continue to grow, sometimes we hire people to fill those roles and sometimes we just have to learn those roles. It just depends where you're at within your company. But um, I think all good coaches, the first thing is be honest with yourself. Know where you're good. Know where you're bad. That, that area that you're bad in, that's, it, it's actually fun to find out, in my opinion. Most people probably don't feel like this, but I love finding areas where I'm weak because that's where I have the most opportunity. Um, and I think that's powerful. I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. It's, you know, find where you're weak. And then, like you said, you alluded to, like, you can either figure out how to get better there yourself, or you can say, I'm really weak here. I'm going to go hire somebody to make sure that our company does not have this particular area as a weakness. And I think, I think the big picture on all of this is as contractors, Know what you're good at. Work on your business. Don't work in your business. I don't care. Like, I could care less how great somebody is at selling. If you own the business, you got to find people that can go and sell as well as you can sell. Mm -hmm. And you got to find ways to continue to grow your business. Um, And I, I think that's something that, you know, from my experience getting to know you, Derek, you do that really well at Hail Trace. You're just, you're constantly adding people to the team that are going to make the team better that is, you know, you're growing the business. So like you said, you know, when you're waking up at three in the morning with a, a new idea that you can actually have time then that next day. And I can go chase down that new idea because I'm not putting out fires all day at the office. Mm-hmm. You know, the office runs, um, on its own. I was, uh, I was in a webinar yesterday. Um, and it was really, they called it the two week vacation and they said, if you're an owner of a company and you can't take a two-week vacation without getting call after call and email after email, you're working in your business. You don't actually own it. It owns you. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool analogy to think about, like, could I go away for two weeks? You know, I think a lot of contractors are listening to this and they're, like, scared at that thought. Try three days. Take a three-day weekend yeah. and say, I'm not, I'm not answering my phone or an email What's going to happen on Monday when I get back to the office? Is it fire after fire? Or did things just run as they, they could? And I, um, I think your answer really kind of pushed right to that. So awesome content. I would love to continue to talk weather. We will talk more weather at some point in time. But kind of my uh, final, final hurrah question for you here. Um, and it kind of comes back to that coaching world and sports world. You know, 10 years ago when you mapped that first storm, um, by the way, that was a pretty profitable map if you think about it. It's a right. big picture. So, so good job there. <laughs> I actually haven't but, thought of that before. That's kind of funny to think about. That that map was worth a lot of money. The but, ROI uh, was big time on that sucker. <laughs> yeah. So if you could do something different 
um, or change something that you did, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, um, that you think would have maybe changed the trajectory of your company for the good? What's something that you say, man, I, if only I would have done this sooner, um, it'd have been great for Hail Trace. Mm-hmm. So I think it's funny because you, you can answer that question looking back, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, so when I answer this question, I actually am glad that it went the way that it went. And it goes back to saying I learned from th- from areas that were weak, that were weak for me, right? Like without that, I wouldn't have learned what I learned in that scenario. So, um, and that made me a better CEO. It made me a better, you know, better person for my employees, for, for contract, right? Everything is, so the things that I have not done well, because I, again, because I noticed them and I found them as areas of opportunity, um, you know, I was able to learn from those. Um, and so I would, I would honestly say, you know, this was probably the hardest area um, for us as a company, but I would say, you know, how long it took for us to figure out a process that we could use for customer support and for sales. Um, so having a a very finite process. And, and that process will never be done. We actually are still working on our process today. And I, so I think, and I think that was one of the things that held us back from doing it was it's a very daunting, you start thinking through, okay, well this happens. And then when this, and, then, and so like you start doing all these triggers and you're like, yeah, I don't even, and then there's this scenario that who knows if that'll come up. So you start running into all of these different scenarios where, you, you look at it and you go, I don't even know how this is going to happen or how I'm going to be able to lay this out into a process. And so I would say, don't worry about it. Just do it. Is that a plug for Nike? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, Derek, that that's a phenomenal answer because I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, with my sports brain and, you know, as a former coach, winning is awesome. And I, I always told people, you know, Winning cures everything. Winning kind of paints paints a picture over, you know, downfalls that you may have because nobody's going to notice that, man, our offensive line really just isn't that good um, until you lose. And then you're like, well, what, what was the reason for this? And then we start picking that out. And so I, I love that answer where you're like, you know, there was definitely things along the way. And I don't want to say you guys as Hail Trace lost, but you were able to see things that like, Ah, if we don't change this, I don't like the trajectory we're going on. And so we just, we continually adjust and we continually fine tune things, continue to strive to be better. So I, I love that answer. Um, we're kind of up to the time here, Derek. I could talk for days. Derek Klein, um, huge shout out for you jumping on with us today. Uh, really appreciate it. Like like we have alluded to, if you guys want to truly know what that forecast is, companycam.com forward slash webinars. Uh, you can check it out, the 2021 forecast. Um, Derek, if you're down, maybe we'll have you on either the podcast or the webinar here in a few months when we get a little bit more data and we can talk about what the uh, – you know, is it summer f- hurricane season? Is that when s- hurricane season is? is yeah, yeah. So like we could we could come on and find out if we have an opportunity to improve our hail forecasting skills, and then we could also talk <laughs> about the the upcoming uh, hurricane season as well. So perfect. So uh, we will. That'll be fun. If you hit it out of the park, we will definitely recap that hail season. If not, we'll just jump right into the hurricane forecast, and hail we'll talk about. 
We'll be hurt, be. Hurricane Trace, so we'll just change our company name and move on. <laughs> Perfect. You got wind as well. Like We got yeah, flood, yeah. like all sorts yeah, of stuff that we can change stuff, to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Derek, I really appreciate it. Um, fun interview. And those of you that joined us, we appreciate you jumping in with us. And uh, we will see you next time. See you guys. Man, big thank you to Derek Klein again for joining us on the Contractor's Playbook with Michael Gogan today. Good content to think about for this upcoming spring and summer as a contractor. Uh, And again, great stuff about the value that creativity brings to a business in this industry. Uh, That'll wrap it up for today. But for myself and Michael Gogan, thanks for joining. We'll see you again next time on the Contractor's Playbook.